Well, we're going to um, look closer at Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, um, and following. And let me pray. Father God, as we look at your word now, help us to be teachable. Um, uh, for Again, a familiar passage and in many ways uh, a familiar challenge. But Father God, we need to be reminded of our sin and also reminded of our response to our Savior. So help us now, Lord, to uh, have eyes open, hearts that are soft, and uh, wills that are willing to respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Does what I do in my life matter? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. What's the point? What's the point in what I do? Does my life have any permanent significance? What will my work achieve? Um, sometimes I, I go for runs where there are park benches, and I sometimes stop because I'm not very fit. But I stop, and I sit on the park bench, and I read the inscription on the park bench. And you read about uh, the person and there may be a little phrase about their life or what they love to say in, and their birth and their death. And I wonder, what was their life about? Was it about getting a park bench at the end of it all? And then I, um, in the last, as many of you know, in the last um, year or so, I've lost three close relatives, uh, two, two, two aunts uh, and an uncle. And in those, I've, I've this week, I'm going back to Wales to uh, uh, partly uh, bury my uncle. But you go to the cemetery, and you look at the, the, the stones, and, and you kind of wonder. There are some amazing people in this graveyard as you read their names and their, you know, the death, a statement, maybe a word of scripture. But what was their life about, I wonder? That's, that's often a question I wonder um, and it's quite sobering, isn't it, to, to, to look, if you've been to a cemetery, to look at, uh, at those graves and to see those names. And, and some of them, you know, you look at them, you think, oh, they're, they're like five years older than me when they died. Or they are like 20 years younger than me when I died or whatever it may be. It's quite sobering. Um, so what are we doing with our lives? What, how are we making a difference? How is our life counting for something. Well, in Matthew's gospel, as we look at this series entitled The Return of the King, there's a series of parables that puts human life in its fresh perspective. Um, as we are challenged about being a steward, being a steward of, of, on behalf of God, um, that this world and our body and what we do is given as a gift from God. Um, God has entrusted us with so much, but we're also accountable as well, aren't we, with what we have been given. And these, these, these are tough parables to read, to understand, but also to ask the question, so what? Because as I said last week, they're not written for unbelievers. These parables primarily are written to believers, people, you may say, within the church. So they're directed at us this morning. 
So last week was about putting our lives in order, being prepared for the return of the king. This week we move to verse 14 of chapter 25, traditionally known as the parable of the talents. But uh, I think it's more helpful as the NIV, the new NIV of 2011 and so, has changed it to the parable of the bags of gold. So the first point this morning is um, God's investment in us. God's investment in us. Uh, as you'll see, as, as we've read that, that uh, passage together, thank you, uh, Joe, for reading that passage to us. There's, there's a, a principal character who is absent, who goes away and returns. Um, and there's a relationship that goes on between that key character and the relationship of those three workers or servants. Let's look down at verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Now, as we think of servants, it's not kind of slave labor in that sense or the kind of picture of slaves, but these were workers who were uh, given uh, investments, given, given, given gifts to use, uh, financial gifts to use to, to help uh, that, that, uh, that man who we read about who, who entrusted the money to the three slaves, to the master. The master committed sums of money to the slaves in his absence. And um, verse 16, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. And it says that he gained five more. Verse 17, so also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So there's three slaves, but there's two contrasting patterns of behavior this morning. Verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. You see, because they were expected, after all, to make a profit for him. Verse 20, the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll trust you. In, I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The one with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. See, note in Jesus' parable, each of the first two servants received, and you can see that in the scripture, in the reading, an identical commendation from their Lord. Nothing is made on the different size of the investments or the size of the profits. Each had used faithfully what they had been given, and each of them is commended. Often this parable, like I say, is called the parable of the talents. But actually, 
It's about how these folk, as it's like, like I said at the start, it's about how these folks use those bags of gold in helpful and reliable ways. It's also about a God who has invested generously on the people he has made. God who has invested generously, he expects his investment to be used. And all of us here this morning, we have all been invested by, with, by God with so much. And I'm not just speaking here about spiritual things and church things. It's how we use our time, as I said before last week, how we use the gifts and the finances that God has given us. How are we spending and using both our money and our time and those things that God has given us this morning? See, our lives are not about thinking about my time and my money and hoarding and preserving Everything that we have belongs to God. God wants us to use those things for him. They, he, they're his after all. Once God wants us to use them for him. Verse 21 and verse 23, which again we, we, we read these words often at a Christian's funeral. Well done, good and faithful servant. Verse 21 and 23, and then verse 29, for whoever has will be given more, and they'll have an abundance. You see, another great secret of life is as we spend, whatever that might be, we will receive. So spending our time for God, spending that time that we're given for God, in whichever way, we'll receive in a far more greater way. You see, I was just thinking about this the other day. We do live in a, even within church, we are in a, a society that questions and doubts, and that's what Alpha is all about. But if you just stay in that place of questioning and doubting, you're just not going to grow. You, you have to verbalize your faith. You have to speak out your faith. So in the last um, two weeks, for instance, there's just... Let's like kind of earth this in reality of church life. In the last two weeks, I've heard um, two folk who have said that giving away their faith and spending their time to give away their faith has, has had such a benefit for themselves. So let me give you an example. First of all, um, uh, one of the members of the junior church team has said, I could never have done this before, but now I'm doing it. I'm learning as I teach but also, I'm strengthened in my faith as I teach. Um, as I teach those little ones, they said, if I don't believe those things myself, how can I teach these things to the children in my care? So there is a great replenishment. Likewise, um, it's a hard thing, isn't it, to, to give a, a leaflet to a friend? Is it? Is it hard to give a leaflet to a friend? About Alpha, maybe they might be curious. Maybe they'll ask questions. Well, that's the worst thing possible, isn't it? For someone to ask you a question. Well, maybe that would be a great thing to pray, wouldn't it? Lord, give me the courage to give an invite, but also may I be prepared to give an answer to the hope. Maybe that might be something that God is asking you to do this morning. 
See, God deals with our doubt by sharing, and as we share, and we give away our faith. See, remember, all of life is given by him, and all of life is to be used for him. Okay, we've got a great DNA in this church of a front line, and that's really important as well. What does Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 say? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies on a Sunday, no, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Easiest thing to do is to worship on a Sunday, isn't it? Singing songs on one level because you're with people who believe the same things. It's a lot harder to worship God in your life on a Monday morning when you're a minority and everyone else is questioned or even given any um, regard to God himself. So the structure of, back to the passage, the structure of the passage forces us to concentrate on the third person this morning, the third servant, who doesn't fit the pattern of the other two. Verse 18 says this, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. So second point, rejecting God's will. Let's just go down to see how, how this worked out. Then the man, verse 24, who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathered where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the garden. See, here is what belongs to you. Verse 26, his master replied, you wicked lazy servant so you knew that i harvest where i have not sown and gather where i have not scattered seed well then you should have put your put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when i returned i would not have received it back with interest so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has for whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside, into the dark where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Some of you, hopefully, well I say hopefully, hopefully you're not thinking this, but I'm sure there's some of you thinking, Tim, you know, some of those verses are a little bit over the top. You know, that last verse, verse 30, really grates with me. Well, the third servant may be a coward, and he's idle, but does he deserve hell? Are we to learn that if we don't use our gifts properly, we'll be thrown into outer darkness? If the story is primarily about how we use our bags of gold, well, yes, it is very hard not to reach this conclusion. But if the parable is primarily about God, there is a different slant to it. Look again at verse 24 and verse 25. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. Verse 25. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. Here, see, here is what belongs to you. See, this is not a slander 
on the master and his character. We've seen that the master is generous and kind in his treatment of servants one and two. It is a deliberate refusal to obey the master's will that's going on here. See, as the master goes on to point out, this third servant knew what his master wanted him to do, but he would not do it. Verse 26 and verse 27 again. You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So it wouldn't have been risky. However lazy he was, he didn't have to do a thing to that. See, we rebel against God when we refuse to accept his will for our lives. We do that quite passively. We don't have to do anything to rebel against God. We, we do it passively. See, this servant in our reading wasn't condemned for his failure to fulfill his potential. He was condemned for his blatant determination to go against his master's will by doing nothing for what he had been given. It was for that attitude to the master that he's punished and it's terrifying. He's condemned for doing nothing. Verse 28, so take the bag of gold from him, give it to the one who has 10 bags, and verse 30, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, to know the will of God and to refuse to do it is to face hell. That's not me, that's the words of Jesus. If you've got a Bible that is a red-letter Bible, you would see the whole of this passage this morning is in red. These are the words of Jesus. There is a creator God. He gave you your life. He's made it absolutely clear that we are what we are to do with our lives. But we can say no. No, I'm going to please myself. No, I'm going to be myself without regard for you. I'm going to fulfill, maybe you say this, I'm going to fulfill my own ambition and potential here on earth. Well, I hope you're not like that, and I hope you're not like the third servant this morning. God's will for every single one here this morning, God's will is that you would live life in response to him. God's will for us isn't harsh, greedy, exploitative, as this third servant seems to think. Perhaps we need to check our own attitude to God this morning. So do you think God is a demanding God this morning? Or is he a giving God? You see, how we relate and how we view God affects everything. If we're not viewing God as scripture shows us the God and who God is, he is a false God. 
But the, the Scripture God is a generous God. See, God's gift for us is that we should live life in all its fullness. Those are the words of Jesus. By knowing him and losing our lives for his son's sake, we are in very grave danger if we this morning are trying to save our lives. We can save our lives in all kinds of ways. We can make our lives secure. We think we're going to have such a secure life if we're married, if we have a career that we think we deserve, or a family, or a home, or a pension, or some kind of long-term happiness and comfort. Well, if your security are in those things this morning, you're in a very dangerous position. See, we need to lose things in order to find them. And then they accumulate. Verse 29 again. For whoever has will, whoever, for whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. See, if we turn away, we will lose everything. Please consider this morning where you are in this parable this morning. Does my life matter? Does your life matter? Yes, every moment of every day. What's in your diary today? What's in your diary tomorrow morning? It matters, but it's a gift from God. It's a gift that God has given. That moment and that time, let's not waste it. There's a great book that I've been reading over the last year. It's a devotional prayer book. It's called Every Moment Holy. Every Moment Holy. So whether you're changing a nappy later on today, it can be a holy moment. Whether it's um, directing your children to, to, to listen, that can be a holy moment. Often it's an un unholy moment, but it can be a holy moment. As you struggle upstairs, that can be a holy moment. Every moment holy. Each moment is a gift for his purpose. To understand more about what we are about, why we are here, and how we live for him. God, you see, is the one that makes life meaningful. When I see that he is the giver of all things and align myself to him, things will make sense. Our lives are an investment and he longs to see us flourish. Until that day when I hope he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. That will be a great thing when time is over for all of us. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your word. Uh, very difficult often to, to read and to speak and to listen because it gets to the very core of our being. Father God, I pray for everyone here this morning that they would consider their position before you. They'd consider their time, maybe their finances, their appointments, and how they live. 
whether they live for themselves or they live for you. Father God, may today be a day of recalibrating our priorities. May it be a day when we consider what life is all about. And Father God, we pray that we would live lives looking to the end goal, that we would see our master and that he would say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. Father God, we look forward to that time. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.